Welcome to another episode of the Prout Rev podcast. And I'm your host, Dara Veda Pragyananda. And this is a podcast in which we look at events in the news, in society, from the perspective of the progressive utilization theory, which is known by its acronym, Prout. So today, I'm looking at a topic which I will call, What is a Nation? What constitutes a nation? Why am I doing this? Because it's really very relevant to one of the most pressing issues of today that concerns the war in the Ukraine, in Ukraine, where Russia has invaded. So why is, why is the idea of the nation important? Because President Putin of Russia says that really the U- Ukraine is just a part of the former Russian Empire, and it, was, it doesn't really deserve any kind of separate existence as a nation-state. He says that it was created artificially by the Bolsheviks in the, the revolution of 1917 in, in Russia, the Communist Revolution. So he says it's just an artificial creation. But as we've seen in, in the last two weeks, the Ukrainians don't see it that way. They, they very much see themselves as a separate nation, a separate entity, and they're fighting, um, they said they'll fight to the death for that. So this concept that because um, one particular piece of territory once belonged to uh, a particular nation state or, uh, or empire or some kind of political construction, doesn't really um, define how people think of themselves and what really is a nation. And in fact, I recently saw a map posted on on Facebook, which is a kind of like a an animated map showing the boundaries, how the boundaries changed in Europe over the last, I think, four, one, at least a thousand years. So the boundaries have changed, you know, like uh, uh, amazingly. Uh, in fact, today, you know, like you think of um, countries like Germany and Italy, things like they didn't exist 150 years ago. There was no Germany. There was no Italy. There were different kind of um, entities that were there, kingdoms and, and city-states and, and provinces and other kind of entities. But no, these modern nation-states that we see didn't exist. So the question really is, what really does make a nation? How do, what makes people think of themselves as a nation? Many years ago, it was about, I think it was in 1960 or so, Prabhat Ranjan Sarkar, the originator of the progressive utilization theory, was looking at the situation in India, and he wrote a book called To the Patriots. It's a booklet, actually, very short. And, and, and this book is, is based on this, this very topic, what is a nation? What makes up a nation? So he observes that similar language, um, cultural ties, religion, um, different kind of factors that we normally think would would constitute um, the grounds where people would come together to form a nation. They don't. And he gives examples of this. For example, uh, if you look at language. So in, in Europe, you have people who consider themselves part of Swi- Switzerland, but yet they're German speakers. Had 
had nation states been formed strictly on linguistic grounds, all those people would be part of the the German um, nation and not part of the Swiss nation. And in North America, too, we have you have Canada and the United States. They both have the same language. And you would, you would think that they would be one, but language is not what it is. I'll give another example. Um, in recent times, uh, the, the, uh, in the Middle East, there was a sentiment to create like an Arab nation. You know, Egypt and Syria joined together to form the United Arab Republic. And then there was other formations where they tried to group. So if religion had been the, the fact that, well, all of these nations are Islamic, they would have all joined. But they, there is not an Islamic nation of, of, of this variety that exists. So, so religion itself, language itself, and many race is another example. Just race, race doesn't form a nation. Otherwise, we would be in a lot of problem if, if, that, if that's how people wanted to form nations. So what really makes a nation? And Sarkar looked at it and he said, basically, it is a sentiment that makes it. And many times, this sentiment is formed as a reaction to imperialisms. He gives the example of India. India was a... a and he gives a whole history of India. There were different kind of nations that were formed in the Indian past based on, on, on religion and other factors, but they didn't, they didn't stay there forever. And when the British came, India was divided and there was not any form, uh, strong sense of nation. Um, it was divided and had many languages and different histories and so many things. And it was just a, a divided, um, politically kind of a mess. And the, the British took over. The, you know, they have this concept of divide and conquer. That was their strategy. And, and many um, Im- imperialistic countries do this, divide and conquer. So, so there was no Indian nation. But as a result of the antipathy towards the, the, the exploiters or towards the conquerors, an Indian nation sentiment was formed. And that's how come India became independent. And you can look at this in other places in the world, too, that when there is an anti-sentiment, it forms the nation. For ex- I'll give another example, which is quite recent. Um, during the 1960s, I remember the, the prime minister of, India, of Israel was Golda Meir. So once she was asked about the Palestinians, so, you know, up until that time, people who are younger don't realize this, this conflict uh, in Israel and Palestine was viewed as an Israeli-Arab confrontation. So they asked her about the Palestinians. She said, what, what are the Palestinians? She says, I mean Palestinian, because she, she was born actually in the... Um, when the British hold, held it as a mandate, you know, so she, she even had old passports, a Palestine um, passport. She said, no, I'm a Palestinian. But really, during that time, the, the sentiment, because the, the Israeli state had been created, then the sentiment against that, that created really um, a very strong Palestinian um, thing. And so now there's like a Palestinian nation, although they don't have a, their own state yet, but that's their aspiration. So this, these nations are really created just by the sentiment, and sometimes it's created by the, the negative sentiment, the anti-sentiment. So... Getting back to Ukraine, 
if there was no nation there, just by invading, Putin has created a, a strong sentiment. But there was, you know, there was a sentiment. They didn't want to become part of the the Russian Federation or or become part of a new, um, you know, revived Soviet Union, if that's what Putin is trying to do. So, so this is very important that this sentiment alone um, creates a nation. Now, what does Sarkar say regarding um, the formation of nations around the world? He, he suggests that if, they sh if people want to form strong nations, they should form it on, there are two possibilities. One is the negative sentiment, the anti-sentiment. What should that be? The anti-sentiment should be um, anti-exploitation, and especially in the field of economic uh, exploitation, we have a, a strong um, basis there. There's, there's a lot of economic exploitation that doesn't n know any boundary of, of, of race and um, religion or anything. It's just that there, there are ec economic exploiters. And in fact, things like racism, which has been used, uh, you know, in the I'm sitting here in the U.S. It's, it's been used time over. You know, racism is really the strong card of the exploiters. That's why the um, the poor whites and the um, never um, rose up against their exploiters because they were given the racial card. Yeah, and the the um, exploiters, the the people in power, said, "Look, look at these black people. You have they're the enemy." And so that's these people were fighting even in the beginning of the. The U.S. history, it was uh, the indigenous people were there, and then the, the black slaves came, and, and then they were poor whites. But no, these exploited people never came together because they were, they were uh, the divide and conquer um, maxim of the imperialists um, won out over that. And so that's why uh, the economic exploitation from the very beginning um, so economic exploitation is part of, of capitalism. It exists that there's a very few people and they most of the wealth trickles up to them. They grab it and, and the other people suffer a lot. Um, this is, of course, um, a simplification, but if you look at it, really um, you analyze, especially today, you analyze the breakdown of um, wealth accumulation, then you'll see that it really works out in this way. But... But when people are um, given sentiments of you know, race and, and religion, they start fighting amongst the others, then the, um, the real exploiters um, are the only winners. So what Sarkar says is that around the world, people should have an anti-exploitation sentiment and they should become united, more and more united. But the day will come when there is no, um, nothing to be against then how will people stay together? In fact, that was the idea of what, why Sarkar wrote that book around 1960. He said that after the, after the British left, then India was, in a sense, without a nation because um, there was no more anti-sentiment uh, of, of the British. So what Sarkar recommends you know, for people how to... Because we one day, you know, we will, economic exploitation will be... It should be, I hope so, it will be a thing of the past. We hope for that day. So then how will people um, remain united? And so here, the ultimate uh, 
thing, which is the, 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 the prize at the end, you know, the gold ring. What we need to achieve, aim for is that the cosmic sentiment. So what is the cosmic sentiment? And this is, comes from the origin of, uh, of what the progressive utilization theory is all about, is that, that this world is the cosmic entity and comes from one supreme consciousness. And that supreme consciousness, which has created everything, is the goal of human life. And if all people will work towards that one goal, people will always be united. So this is quite a lofty thing. I know, I know that I'm, I'm, it's a very difficult concept, but if you analyze it, that we are brothers and sisters and we share this universe together and we're marching towards some common goal, even though it's hard sometimes to understand that, but there is there is a common goal, there is a common source of this whole uh, vast universe, and all of us are marching on that path. So this is really the the proudest perspective. I'm looking at it philosophically, and I know that maybe that's a, you know I'm going to blow people out of the water for that, but this is really what it's all about. So we should now look at the uh, arguments that people make and if they're not true then we should dash them down and, and we shouldn't accept when any leader says that because this particular piece of land was part of my territory um, then um, I'm going to take it over now this should not be allowed and we should learn how to live together and fight what's the real exploiters and then when we've conquered those exploiters then we should keep united by remembering that we are one and the same, brothers and sisters, and marching together towards a common goal. So that's all I want to say. So this is the, um, the episode of the Prout Rev podcast for today. And you can find more information about Prout at www.prout.com dot info proud info and proudalliance.org proudalliance.org and these are the two websites and i want to also stress that um whatever i have said today is my personal um take on the situation based on long many years of study of, of proud and and looking at the world as it is but it's still a personal opinion and people may have other opinions and I respect that. So that's all for today. And if you're listening on any particular platform, um, give us a follow, thumbs up and subscribe and then you'll be uh, informed when we add new episodes. So thank you so much. I appreciate your taking the time to listen to me today. See you again soon.